Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Welcome back to the program, and really, you should be in the studio this morning because it's it's quite a quite a scene here this morning. Anyway, at this hour, did you know it's possible to buy property in New York and pay no mortgage recording tax? The mortgage recording tax ranges from 0.75% to 2.8% of the total principal of the mortgage, so it is a significant expense when buying a home or commercial property. On a home purchase with $1 million mortgage in New York City, for example, the mortgage recording tax amount can amount to more than $19,000. There is, however, a fully accepted method to pay zero mortgage recording tax. It's called a purchase SEMA, a twist on the widely known SEMA. It cannot be used in every purchase, but when it can be used, the savings are substantial. We're going to touch on that just a little bit. Unfortunately, our banker came down with the flu this morning, so he is not here, and so we're going to have to wing this on our own. Also at this hour, expanding your family is a joy, but having children can be financially challenging. This is true for New Yorkers who face high housing prices and are twice as likely to rent than the average American household. But first, I would like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate, and we are live from Blastoff Productions this morning. In the news, Airbnb is contributing to rising rents in New York City, according to a new study from New York Magazine. The Village Voice is moving back to its namesake neighborhood, Cooper Square, in NoHo, and this is according to The Real Deal. Grey Gardens fans now have a chance to purchase the carriage house on the former estate of the big of big and little Edie Grand Estate. Sotheby's International has the listings for $9.5 million. The, uh, the big house recently traded for $15.5 million, a cottage on the property going for $9.5 million. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. The Brooklyn Bridge and parts of the Belt Parkway are among the roadways in New York that officials consider structurally deficient. This is according to AM New York. Estate sales are finding a new uh, popularity with millennials drawn in by the life stories of the rich and famous. And while the content of their homes often prove to be the most lucrative assets, the real estate of the deceased can command top dollar at a state sale. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Case in point, the long-time Upper East Side home of actress Greta Garbo, which sold last month for $8.5 million, it was a 43% premium over the asking price. Can you imagine a millennial bought that apartment, Greta Garbo's old apartment? Would you do that? I think I'm looking at one right now that might have bought it himself. I think it's because Brian Lewis made a video about it. He did. And it was awesome. But would you, I mean, somebody in your age group, would you buy an older building pre-war, you know, eight and a half million dollar apartment? all about this property. On Sutton Place. Would you buy that? Maybe if it was downtown. Yeah, not in Sutton Place. Yeah. Come on. Well, that's my point. It's uptown. It's yeah. on Sutton Maybe Place they're taking a millennial contractor to do it up. Maybe their yeah. mom or grandma lives around the corner. And that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. point. Free breakfast every Mama's day. boy. That sounds a little <laughs> more something. like it's a possibility. <laughs> there it is. All right, a special program note. Please join me at the 2018 New York City Real Estate Expo. The expo is on April 18th. And if you want tickets, please email me here at the show or at vrocco at halstead.com. I will be 
be speaking and moderating a panel. And our topic is industry leaders forecasting 2018. Uh, several uh, company presidents will be joining me on that panel. Our city is enormously popular with local and foreign buyers, and our prices are reflective of tremendous high net worth. Despite whatever else goes on in this, this economy, we still are selling to uh, high net worth individuals. Join me. And if you have any uh, additional inform- if you need any additional information, please let me know. Again, my email is vrocco at halstead.com, or you can email me here at the show. All right, so we wanted to talk about SEMA. As you probably know about the standard SEMA or Consolidation Extension and Modification Agreement, which is commonly used when an owner refinances an existing mortgage. Instead of paying off the existing mortgage and recording a new mortgage and paying the resultant mortgage recording tax, ASEMA modifies the existing mortgage and reduces or eliminates the need to pay mortgage recording taxes in ASEMA. The new lender uh, acquires the old loan from the old lender and modifies the terms. SEMAs require some additional legal work uh, as well as approvals by the bank, which the loan is being refinanced so they can be used in all refinances. A SEMA most commonly works by combining the unpaid principal balance of a mortgage loan recorded against a property commonly called old money by assignment with uh, a new money mortgage and note representing any additional loan proceeds advanced by a lender commonly called new money to form consolidated mortgage. A purchase SEMA takes this idea one step further and is much less widely known. If the seller has a mortgage in place, It is possible for the buyer's lender to acquire the mortgage and modify it, thereby saving the buyer the mortgage recording taxes that would have otherwise been due. Have you guys at all been involved in purchase As I know, as I said earlier, you can't use this for every purchase in Manhattan, uh, but I'm beginning to, I'd say over the last six months, hear a lot about these purchase SEMAs. Have you guys come across them at all? I mean, they're pretty great, especially when you're trying to close um, the gap on a negotiation with like a new development. It's a lot easier to do when you have a clean title. Um, and they become a lot easier over the last like seven <clears throat> years. Um, so, so who who really then is eligible for this? I mean, can anybody you know any any purchaser or any buyer be be uh, eligible for this program, this special program? I've I've had a bunch of lenders um, speak to me about this in the city, and they always say that it's difficult in this city because of so many people who either own properties all cash or people that um, have paid off their mortgages on a lot of their properties because that's always the goal for I find owners. Um, because this is more for people who have, you know, a good amount of time still on their fixed mortgage who's, who are selling. And then the buyer can obviously, given certain parameters with interest rates and, you know, um, what the seller owes when at closing, things like that, and it's transferring. But also a lot of people, a lot of buyers here are very stuck to their banks. So it, it's not all that easy in New York, I find. It, it, it reminds me of when I purchased my first condo many, many years ago, um, and I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but it, there was something that was called an assigning of a mortgage. And so I remember my dad said to me, make sure when you get your mortgage commitment from the bank, and I don't remember what bank it was back then, he said, make sure you have the ability to be able to assign that mortgage to a future buyer if you decide you want to sell it, and they may have issues with you know interest rates or they can't get a loan so easily, whatever. Is this similar? I mean, because we're assigning a mortgage onto the next buyer, but now here it sounds like it's similar, but it's a little different. I don't like transferring your mortgage. Yeah, it's like you, SEMA, like you have an existing one, and then you want to buy a new property and use the same mortgage. I've, I've seen it too in the, in the commercial world. I was a commercial broker for two years, and 
if if there's a problem with potentially like there's hair on the deal, like um, you know, there's 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 like not enough rent, there's too many rent stabilized, and a bank won't loan against it. You could just, you know, like part of a negotiation would be asking the, the this is what we used to call it, is like ask the seller to hold the paper, right? Mm-hmm. So they hold the note, they just keep, um, they keep the paper there and then they pay through, oh, that's actually a different thing. They, they would pay either uh, the, the bank or they could have the, there's another option is to have the, the seller actually take the mortgage on themselves and then be the mortgage holder. Got it. Uh, that's just another thing I actually kind of switch the, the two, but I think, you know, either way, you know, Seema's not really quite like an assignable mortgage because it's much more, it has much more to do with the seller's payoff at closing and, and an assignment of a mortgage is not as much about that. And on top of that, a lot of banks in the city won't, um, assign, you know, assign mortgages don't really exist anymore. Just like bridge loans don't really exist anymore in the city. So you're seeing things really go out of date, I find. You know, bridge loans, a lot of people um, still, you know, question about, ask the question about that because if you're selling something and need to buy something and they want to bridge it, you know, in between, you know, in the the suburbs years ago, that was like almost a standard uh, way to do uh, transactions. But here in the city, of course, it's not today, but I don't remember that it ever really has been. Uh, but you know, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. How you how you sell something and buy something at the same time? It can be very complicated, and a bridge loan would be very helpful. By the way, I'm here with Matt Cohen from uh, Core Real Estate, Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Sean McPeak from Compass. So let's get on to some of the other topics. Expanding your family is a joy, but having children can be financially challenging. This is true for New Yorkers who face high housing prices and are twice as likely to rent than the average uh, American household. In New York City, 63% of households rent their homes relative to 32% of households nationwide. Uh, While buying a home uh, before starting a family is often seen as a rite of passage in the U.S., New York City parents are actually more likely to rent than own and no more likely to own than the average New York City household. High rents and the financial demands of raising children lead many New Yorkers with children to rent only uh, the space that they need in other words, they don't. They might need bigger, but they can't really afford bigger, so they rent just what they need. As a result, New Yorkers expanding their families have tough choices to make when finding a home for their growing household. Where are the most popular neighborhoods to live and raise a family in New York City? I mean, it's 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 really interesting how you know we talk about sales all the time on this program. And New York City is a very big sale market. However, we still have more rental inventory in this town than we have, or rental you know ownership rather than we have sale you know ownership. So more people still rent. But in this particular case, where families are strapped, in some cases, uh, they need to be here, want to be here, have to be here. Where are these neighborhoods that are affordable to families? So, I mean, I grew up in the Upper West Side. This is Noah. I grew up on the Upper West Side. Uh, Matt's, you know, giving me a little cheer over there. No one would see it, though. <laughs> He's also wearing a nice backwards hat this morning. But anyway, I grew up on the Upper West Side, and Macho one of my man. best friends grew up on the Upper East Side, and uh, there's no accident to that. Um, that's a place, you know, Upper West Side, Upper East Side True. Um, is a place where uh, lots of families um, grow. Uh, no, no pun intended. So, so basically, I mean, families... You can you can live anywhere you want in the city, uh, but typically downtown's more singles, uh, sort of um, not as family oriented, and uptown is a little bit more family. Unless you're talking about Tribeca, Maddie. 
Well, I, I saw you moving. I, I was yeah, going to say when it's the school zone, really. Yeah, like PS yeah. Four, PS Six. You know, exactly. Like when Noah and I were growing up, the Upper West and the Upper East Side had the best school zones in the city. But now, well, they still do. I will try back at two thirty four. Yeah, yeah, and not only and Beekman. I mean, Beekman is also one of the top schools in the city, and that's all the way in Midtown East. So, or like and part of Lenox Hills. So, I mean, I think that has gone down a little bit. And you've seen, you know, after that New York Times article a few years ago when it talked about all of the Upper East Side family he's moving down to Tribeca. I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, but I agree with Noah. I mean, I, outside of my own listings, I've been working with two buyers of mine who are both families who have been looking on the Upper West and the Upper East, and we just got accepted offers on both. And um, the Upper West was actually very controversial because the school zone recently just changed yeah. a lot on the Upper West. And it's, and I mean, that one block of a shift of school zone is incredibly um, just, important to any family. It so was a it's, very controversial I've, thing. I've well. yeah, it's that hard. Zone and every single you know, buyer group that comes in mentions this. So is it safe to say that people are chasing the school districts, you know, on the up, up, uh, Upper East say, or Upper yeah. West? I mean, in, in some cases, you know, Tribeca. It'll, it'll, it'll adjust what block they live on. I mean, mm-hmm. living you know, on one side of the street or the other side of the street, it makes all the difference. So it also depends on how old the kids are. Like, it also it, depends on how much money that family has. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, right. but if I, these neighborhoods don't work, then you're looking at Brooklyn. But, exactly. I, but I also find that like the mo- the wealthier um, families these days are sending their kids to public school. So right. I, I do find yeah. that even well, renters, they are I mean, worried about it. I think right. for renters, they're going to really be shooting for the school zone too. Yeah. All right, I want to yeah. talk a little bit more about this on the other side of the break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We have to take a break, but we will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Matthew, Noah, 
Niall and Sean. I just wanted to uh, pick up on the last conversation uh, before we move on. So, you know, Niall said a little while ago before break, so if you really are really priced out of Manhattan and, and, and can't get into the particular school districts, I guess, so then you're on to Brooklyn or then you're on to, you know, other, other areas. Now, Noah, you do a lot of stuff in Brooklyn. Where are the more popular areas for families in the Brooklyn neighborhoods? Um, everywhere west of Prospect Park, essentially. Mm. That's where that's where you're going to find. So, you know, your park slope obviously um, is sort of uh, square one, but then you've got everything north of there. Williamsburg is very hot. Prospect Heights, um, just north of the park. You've got Carroll Gardens. Um, I mean, just any, Barham anywhere. Hill. Barham Hill. Yeah, all Barham that Hill's stuff. Great. Yeah, Barham Hill is very nice. Downtown Brooklyn. Brooklyn Heights. So, Brooklyn Heights. Mm. Um, you know, sort of the Red Hook area. So it's really just... Um, it's west of Prospect Park now. We're gonna we're gonna start seeing that change now that um, you know again, as I said, like in a few shows ago, that development is very hot east of Prospect Park now. Um, so let's get back to the statistics at the yes, beginning of this yeah. thing, where it says sixty three percent of households in New York City rent their homes relative to thirty two percent of people renting their homes in in the in the outskirts and around the country. So more people rent in New York City than they do in the burbs or in other states or around the nation. Why do you think that is? Is it is the it really sitting? Yeah. Well, yes. I think I think it's part partly because of um, how transient a lot of the population is here, mm-hmm. and also, um, you know, rent stabilized, rent control departments from the past uh, have a huge impact on people moving, transferring their leases, things like that. Also, I think it's um, I think there's also a little bit of a culture shock when you do move here, and I'm just talking to that subset, but also in general, I think you know a day in New York can easily mount up to two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, and all you're doing is getting like you know a pizza, walking like, outside, you know, just walking outside your door, and you spend a hundred dollars, you know, just like taking a cab here or there. Um, yeah, it, so it, it's really true. And he, yeah. the other day, day before yesterday, I go to the pharmacy to pick up a couple of things, ninety eight dollars, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking in the pharmacy, okay, what is a hair product, toothpaste? Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, some expensive hair product. <laughs> <laughs> every every <laughs> it looks good today, though. And then you go out to dinner, you know, after you drop the bag off home, and that's God, God only knows whatever else. So we, you, know, you know, your your point is well taken. Right. And and costs are very high. So even for you know, so leases are very high, and so you see restaurants going in and out. You see stores going in and out yeah. because you know even if they're successful sometimes they can't pay the cost of the monthly lease so, plus the and, barrier to entry right yeah. it's much lower on you know a, a house in the suburbs that you could put three percent down or use do an fha loan you know here you have to put 25 percent down and you know by the way 250 grand in north carolina will get you a four-bedroom home you know yeah. 250 grand here will get you you know, I'm struggling for that. Like studio, studio, like, like studio, Forest like Hills, Hills, Forest Hills like studio, yeah, yeah. like, you yeah, know, almost yeah. in Long Island. So, yeah. You know. but, al- but also to, to Noah's point, I mean, people here do not have a lot of cash at hand. So they're spending it a lot. And so because of that, you, they can't afford as, as Niall was saying, time the to down save payment. Yeah, right. You're spending so much on, right. on rent and right. going outside and toothpaste and hair product. And then there's and then, and then no people, way to save. And people don't like being stuck here. Right. Yeah. They like being able to switch neighborhoods yeah. and, yeah. The, you know, well, do different things. Well, even across the country, it's taking people on average almost 10 years to save up for a down payment on a home. Mm. So here you got to save or you got to. You know, I've also yeah. I also have a friend. Uh, my friend's um, 
friend's mother, um, you know, is looking to purchase, but she's been looking to purchase for years now. And even though she has money in the bank, again, lifestyle here is so expensive that you have this, you have this sort of this uh, intimidation with buying because so much money comes in, but so much money goes out. And so even if you have exactly, if your balance sheet says, Hey, I can go buy something for a million dollars. You have a lot of, uh, you're intimidated. You don't know if yeah, and but but what about the old you know adage buying a piece of the rock? There are some people who in this town who live in this town for years and years, who still feel like they want to own a piece of that rock. And what does that mean? Really translates to buying real estate. You know, mm-hmm. they feel like they're not connected to New York, or they don't feel like they're a part of New York unless they own something. It's the same in the suburbs. A lot of people want to own a home versus rent a home. It's just that American dream, that American way. But here in town, you know, you're all right. I mean, it's very expensive, and every time you walk out the door, it, it's costly. And, you know, uh, there are people who need to continue renting because they just can't translate their, you know, homes into an ownership situation, especially if there's family involved and they continue to have more children, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's the thing. It's like the word need you just said. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there. I think most people in New York actually have the goal of owning something. It's, right. you know, and they would like to, as you said, own a piece of the rock, but they, they n- literally cannot come up with that down payment. And then, yeah. and then on another hand, <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure we can all relate to this given our ages, but I have a lot of first time buyers and, and the first thing they'll say to me is I wanted to come to you because I now have that 20% down. Like I want to buy now. And then we talk about closing costs and we talked about, you know, post-closing liquidity. And then that turns into about 25 or 30% and people don't realize that. Right. They don't. Uh, they don't. And, um, you know, the, the, there's always something for someone. Anyway, we have a special call-in guest today. Are you on the line? Um, Hello? I'm here. You're here. So you're going to surprise the panel today. Ray Lord Third is oh, Ray. Ray, what's up? From his travels. Ray, do us a favor, please. Tell us where you are around the world right this moment in the world somewhere. Right. Right this moment, I'm in Córdoba, Argentina. Ah, Argentina. Argentina. So you fooled everyone by saying something about New York Fashion Week on social media. (laughs) (laughs) I got excited. Yes, I did. So tell Ray, Ray, tell us. You know, uh, the audience doesn't really know what you're up to, but you know, you're on a, a one-year uh, sabbatical and you're traveling around the world, literally. So how has it been so far? I guess it's maybe what two months already. Yeah, this is we're coming up in the near completion of our second month, and thus far it's been absolutely amazing, like the best experience. I can only imagine. So you are you're currently in summer, right? Yeah, for the entire year we'll be chasing summer. So it's been uh, much to many New Yorkers dismay to hear it's been about eighty to hundred degrees every day. Yes, I kind of like the thought of here right now. Uh, yeah, and freezing. I kind of like the thought of chasing summer around the world for a year, right? Sounds you don't have to be cold at all. Company. So, you know, you also texted me yesterday that some good news that while you are traveling, you've done, you know, millions of dollars worth of business back home here in New York City. How on earth are you doing that? Yes, I mean, there was a great article the other day in the New York Times and just about millennials and how the world is really our workspace. I've been able to communicate with clients, uh, deal with it documents for transactions, everything while I'm here. And then I have a team on the ground back in the Hamptons and they've in New York as well. We actually just uh, sent out a deal for a property in Brooklyn. So people have been able to do things on the ground for me. And then I deal with client management and some paperwork 
on my end that I don't need to be there physically. Yeah, so so you actually build in a couple of hours per day per week for you know real estate work while you are remote, correct? I can't say per day, but it's definitely the times that yeah. my clients back home need <laughs> that, me for sure. That's but, acceptable. Uh, Thanks, Ray. Thanks for being honest. Yeah, that's. I really appreciate genuine. that. I, you know, yeah, maybe not every guy. day. We're getting a real look in here. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> oh my God. Bathing suits and shorts and t-shirts. I mean, you know, can you imagine that? Amazing. Ray, do you just really unplug? Like when you say not every day, do you mean like you know, for three days you're not, you're going to go without even cell phone or email or Wi-Fi? T- tell me about that. Yeah, I really do unplug, which is the hardest thing for all of us, right? I had to, for the first week, um, definitely still check things because I had a bit of anxiety. But eventually what I ended up doing is I have two, page, two pages of like apps on my iPhone, and I actually moved my work email account to the second page because I'm OCD oh, about the little notifications. And if I saw them, big. I would be checking it all the time. Yeah, that's what we call intention. That's yeah, really. it's a terrifying lifestyle design. <laughs> Ray, what's the next stop on the journey? Our next stop is Lima, Peru. Uh, a very good friend of mine, very dear friend of mine, just came back from Lima, Peru. First time there and said, I mean, went on for days about how really fantastic uh, that neck of the woods is. He really, 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 I guess, didn't appreciate the fact that he was going there. But once he went and spent a week, he said it was amazing. Absolutely wow. incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What 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 else um what else is down the road? So I know it's a whole year, but what else comes up? So after Lima we have Medellin, uh Bogota, and then lastly in Central and um South America is Mexico City. Oh, Mexico City. Very nice. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite places. I heard that's actually a really fun city to be in. The food's amazing. Lots of fun. The food's amazing. Mexico in general, I think the food is great, but but the social life in Mexico City is is really good. I wonder what a four bedroom costs down there. <laughs> well, in June I'll be able to tell you. And Ray, okay. do you do you pay attention? I mean, just because you are a real estate agent and you've been in the business for a while. I mean, you know, as you're traveling around, do you kind of look at real estate there, or or ask questions about values of homes and places, or do you just kind of don't even want to go there? No, I definitely I definitely look at things and look at the values because it's very interesting here in Argentina. What they do is they don't do any of their real estate tra- real estate transactions in pesos because it's too volatile. What they do is they anchor it on the U.S. dollar. So everything in real estate here, if you're buying an apartment, a condo, et cetera, is all in U.S. dollars. Got oh, it. Wow. Yeah. And it's definitely not cheap. It's, they've never had a downturn, I think, in the past 20 years. I was asking them more in Buenos Aires, but um, people just buy things because there's so much distrust in banks here that people buy things simply to, to have a, con- like a, a tangible item. And let's just hold on to apartments. It's 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 kind of crazy. And and Ray, I don't know for the people out there. I'm not so, so sure everyone knows, but you have several investment properties upstate in New York, correct? Correct. And so is that sort of how you know in your travels? I imagine this is sort of you have the investor's eye as you're looking at uh, real estate all throughout South America, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something just within the real estate industry we have that want and desire to learn, you know, real estate around the globe. So yeah, you could definitely say that. 
Cool. So is it possible that by the time you get back that you will own massive amounts of property in, say, Cordoba <laughs> or something like that? I definitely would not buy it here, maybe more in Buenos Aires, but it's, it's surprisingly very, very, very expensive. So I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, you might want to consider that when you get to Mexico City because the property values there were pretty in line with, I think, de- decent you know values. And, and again, it's a it's a fun place to be. Um, when you are there, like, for example, when you're in Mexico City, I mean, you have to stick with your tour. Do you have like free time where you can go explore other areas of, of you know, the Yucatan or, or wherever else that might be close by? No, I mean, it's awesome. You're, you're free to go and explore and do whatever you want on the side. I just went to Mendoza uh, last week for a trip for a couple of days with friends of mine, and that was amazing. So you have that flexibility. It's just nice to have um, some bit of consistency and being able to call people. If, For example, when I moved here in Cordoba, the refrigerator like broke within two days, so we just simply <clears throat> called someone and they, they sent someone to fix it instead of having to do that ourselves, which was great because I didn't want to deal with it. Um, but you have flexibility to go off and do your own thing. All right, that sounds cool. We have to take a break. You can stay with us if you'd like. Um, we'll be back after these messages. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, uh, Noah Kaplan from Nestikers International, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Ray Lord III from Douglas Elliman, uh, joining us remotely today from South America. So we were talking earlier about, you know, neighborhoods here in New York, neighborhoods uh, in Brooklyn. Let's talk about the East Village. Always known and loved for being the birthplace of punk rock, the East Village once was decidedly grungy. Longtime residents fondly remember when the neighborhood was cheap and seedy, but over the past couple of decades, increasing numbers of NYU students and new- newcomers to the city have settled there bringing with them a more mainstream vibe nevertheless you can always count on finding a great dive bar or a late night slice walk down a leafy side street and you'll happen uh, upon plenty of pre-war buildings and rusting fire escapes which lend to the east village's old-fashioned charm so you know my question to you guys is you know what what is the allure of the East Village. I mean, I remember, you know, several neighborhoods, not just the East Village, being really grungy and seedy and, and kind of not 
really wanting to be anywhere near those neighborhoods. But then all of a sudden, you know, uh, they were captured and and really over the decades have converted really nicely. And these villages, quite the place to be. You know, I used to live in the East Village on St. Mark's between <clears throat> one and A. Oh my God! And that's the Did block. You sleep? That is, yeah, exactly. That is the block. That's where I mean, tattoos come from. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. where I walked into a massage parlor and I walked out a different person. That's right. Uh, you know, basically, <laughs> like you know, and I, I, I was innocent. I, I had innocent sometime. intentions. I just wanted a back massage. Anyway, so there you go. And isn't that where Barcade is? I yes. love that area. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, no, St. what's Mark's what's great. what's great about the East Village, and I, you know, in my opinion, is that you know leases, as we were just talking before leases are are, are well, nowadays they're going up a little bit but for a while they've been low so what does that mean these boutique restaurants these little eateries can 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 move in um, and so you have this awesome vibrant food scene you also because leases are low um, you have this awesome art scene and you have all the students from NYU and, and other and other mm-hmm. uh, schools that are living there because the rents are cheaper and because of all that you have this this hotbed of you know of art uh, creativity awesome new food joints. Uh, it's definitely one it's, of the most vibrant yeah. neighborhoods in the yeah. city. And it's the, really the capital of nightlife in New York City. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's ironically the community board, CB3 in East Village, is very anti-business, nightlife, mm. or any other. Well, there's already so many liquor licenses. What are they going to do? Continue to pepper the no, it's true, but blocks? They're, because they're, um, it's wild. At no, night. no, it's wild. I know. It's, it's wild actually where you're night. at. Yeah, yeah. On the Lower East Side, it's Yeah, I'm in the Lower insane. East Side, which is it's very CB3, close to East. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's pretty wild down there. But, <laughs> so I mean, if you open a bakery and you want to, like, serve wine or something, I mean, you shouldn't be just shut down automatically. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what's going on down there. And uh, it's also it's, such a big neighborhood. I mean, it's huge. It's one of the most when populous, you, yeah. Like when you, you no, know, not even probably just like you know, um, landmass wise, it's it's enormous. I mean, if you think about how you can be in you know northwest East Village, so close to Union Square, and then be all the way east in Alphabet City, almost to the, the Lower right East Side. Yeah, 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 it's huge, and it, it is very big. And I mean, so people love the location, and think about how you have things like Astor Place is considered East Village, um, Cooper Union, yeah. um, and. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great landmarks. And at the same time, I think that a lot of people who live in the East Village would live in Williamsburg. It's just very neighborhoody. There's a a constant, there's a big synergy between those two neighborhoods. I mean, mainly because of the L train right now, but the Williamsburg is like a cleaner version of the East Village at this point. Absolutely. But let me ask you something as real estate agents and who deal with buyers uh, um, all the time. So Upper West, Upper East, East Village, Lower East. I mean, do you get clients who say, well, I could live in the East Village or I can live on the Upper West Side? I mean, because it, it really is, there are moons apart yeah, and yeah, really yeah. very yeah, I mean, far when, apart. I think, I think we've all dealt with buyers like that and vetting a buyer. I mean, when someone tells me something like that, um, I really try to work with them to pinpoint a location yeah. with their according to their pricing because they're probably not serious if they're... <laughs> They, if they could buy a property in either one of those places, I mean, they're probably not going to buy at all. And, right. and generally speaking, the East Village, again, is more of a student-y singles place um, with just an amazing nightlife. Um, so you're not, you're generally speaking, not going to find families. So the family, right. Much, okay, right? the family so is not going to go. too, right? Exactly. I've done, uh, right, for the whole family, right? No. <laughs> um, I've, I've done rental deals down there. I've had, uh, you know, single buyers going down there. I mean, that's sort of what I've seen. 
And look, that's where a lot of people start off too. Yeah. You know, let's just think about that. That's like you your know? first apartment. Like, yeah, your first apartment city is, in, is a share in the East Village. And your yeah. mind is blown like the first night there. That's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah, you walk and outside and, you, and, and your like, budget Whoa. is blown on the first night there I was, too. Probably. Well, I found a good place in 2010. I was at my first apartment was in like East Williamsburg, Bushwick, and McKibben Lofts, if anyone knows yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those are wild. right next to you. Yeah, Tree Fort Island. That's what I used to call my apartment. Tea Factory. Yeah, yeah. these apartments are wild. But then I moved into the East Village if I signed my first actual lease and I got a Two bedroom for sixteen hundred, um, good deal finder, you know. Wow. Yeah. Um, on fifth on the cul-de-sac is C. So, oh yeah, yeah, the fifth yeah. C cul-de-sac. A little dangerous. Yeah, a little dangerous. Uh, <laughs> everyone thought I was a cop, but uh, <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, no, but then my mind was because I didn't want to. I didn't want to live there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go to the Upper East Side. That's where my friends okay. were. I was living with my cousin. He convinced me to go down there, and I just loved it. I fell in love the first night. We just went out every single night. It was amazing. It's a great place, and I've always said through the all the years I've living in the, in the city, the the East Village and the Lower East Side has the most amazing restaurants, right. fantastic food. The quality is amazing. And also, I mean, look at every single new development that's opened there in the last few years. Yeah. They they sell like crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, um, Steiner is now closing. Yep. Um, yeah. So that sold out in a second. Seventy five first, Hundred Avenue A, one eighty. 9 Avenue C. Um, yeah, amazing. I've seen, I've seen some of those. They're buildings. making um, that building that was a rental building, uh, Bloom 62 on like 6th and Avenue B. Right. That's, yeah, yeah it's amazing. It's amazing they're that they're going for $2,000 a square foot. Uh-huh. I, I, I can't get over that. I'm okay with the Steiner comp because they have a nice pool and everything down there, but yeah. I mean, the rest of them, it's kind of like, whoa, yeah. that's a lot of money. <laughs> Who on this show uh, would be willing to go to the Russian bath with me? Because I, still I went, that I went on Friday. You went on Friday? How was it, no? Uh, pretty amazing. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, really? I, I literally think it's one of the best. One of the it, best it's, it's amazing for your health. It's yeah. also good to like hold court, go go with you know couple, court, couple take people. Meetings. Yeah. yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> Russian no, bad. Even joking. They have, I, they have that. No, it's a, no, I've heard that air is great. The place in Tribeca. That's where you hold court. I agree. Let's go this week Thursday. Literally, I'm going to be there Thursday. Just in case anybody wants to join, I would love to join. Thursday, we'll hold court. I'll go sit in Holt's court. Yeah, Niles Court. We have to continue that conversation. So let's talk Brooklyn. According to Brick Underground, for many New Yorkers who live elsewhere, drawing a distinction between the two neighboring Brooklyn communities, Park Slope, for example, and Windsor Terrace might uh, seem like splitting hairs, but the truth is, uh, though the neighborhoods do have uh, some similar features on paper, such as townhouses and access to Prospect Park, they have totally distinct personalities. What are those? Oh, I'd love to talk about this, yeah. So I actually live on pretty much the border between the two neighborhoods. Um, I'm on Prospect Park West, uh, about two blocks away from the 15th Street uh, F&G station, Um, and I would say that the basic dividing line is Prospect Park West, even as it extends south of Prospect Park. So that Prospect Park West, even though the park ends, it continues till you get to the parkway. Um, And it continues for like five or six blocks. And that's really the the dividing line between uh, South Park Slope and Windsor Terrace. And I will say this, that Prospect Park West is a gorgeous block. They've they've done a you know the city has done a good amount of work to make sure that the the roads are are nice, the sidewalks are nice, and there's a lot of nice restaurants over there. And really, I gotta say, if you're living two blocks east of Prospect Park West and quote you're in Windsor Terrace, I don't see much of a difference. There's a nice there's depending on what block you're on, there's a nice townhouse stock, and I really think that it's like the oh you know people don't search Street Easy or you know whatever website they're using. They don't they're not going to search Windsor Terrace 
or you know, oh, is, 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 know it saying that we should start searching Windsor Terrace? <laughs> but, uh, is it because Windsor Terrace is a little too further south? You but think? wait, wait, no. What's the the main drag in Parks? It was seventh or eighth. Or well, the the, the two main drags. Fifth or I would say fifth and seventh. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. seventh yeah. has as the years have gone on, it's developed more and more towards the southeast. Sure. So that's also why I think in in my opinion, Windsor Terrace has become more popular as retail has gotten. I could I could totally up. agree with that. Um, and I will say it's seventh avenue but now again it's also prospect park west um that just continues south of the park for another five six seven blocks till you hit the parkway and i think that it's so nice at this point um and also i just i've walked down in several you know i've walked in windsor terrace many times and i don't see that much of a difference between windsor terrace and south park slope and just really depends on the block that you're on some blocks are a little bit nicer than others as far as tree line and so forth but um yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an incredible deal just living it's a couple York, blocks though. away. I mean, people, you know? I mean yeah. if, if you haven't commuted from outside the city, you really can't appreciate how small distance two or three blocks really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, we're talking millions of dollars, obviously, oh, yeah. in Manhattan. But I, I agree with you. I could see, you know, just go two more blocks. You get so much more value and basically the same thing. Now, what about the, the price uh, differences between Windsor Terrace and Park Slope and, and some of the, the more known you know, Brooklyn Heights and, and Dumbo, uh, where those sure. prices are very high. How, how do those prices stack up for you know, sales? Well, I mean, well, I think yeah. that Park, like, let's just talk about what we were just talking about. Park Slope is very like East Village because it's a big neighborhood. So I think that it, you can't just talk about the whole neighborhood. So, I mean, North Park Slope is much more expensive than South Park Slope. And um, because you're closer to Grand Army Plaza, you're, you know, you're closer to a lot of other junctions. Um, Flatbush. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, with regards to like, price comparison between Windsor Terrace and South Park Slope, there's probably not a huge price difference. But at the same time, if you compare it as a general thing, well, maybe tie difference. back into school zone because Park Slope schools are like some of the most popular in Brooklyn. So yeah. is that is that a big differentiator? That there? would be the that's exactly okay. right. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Sean. That would be the big differentiator. I think, you know, you want to be close to PS three twenty three twenty one um, you want to be close to several, a couple other schools. There's actually another school in, in Parkville South mm-hmm. near, near me that's um, popular. Um, I think that that's what it comes down to. But as far as beyond beyond sort of where kids want to, where, where parents want to send their kids, um, there's not a tremendous amount of differentiation. Differentiation, maybe maybe a hundred dollars per square foot differentiation. Let me ask a question because I'm not familiar with the the school systems in Brooklyn as much as I am in New York. So how do the school school systems in Brooklyn? Uh, borough wide compare to Manhattan or folks out there chasing the schools as we said they were earlier doing here on the Upper East Upper West and Tribeca whatever they still go looking for the best of the best out there yeah it, it, yeah as far and as are they as good as here absolutely as far as families are concerned that you know that becomes one of the top uh, criteria for moving um, as they get as they have more kids you know kids become the focal point of their life sure they want nice finishes sure they want a nice location but the location is almost synonymous with the school district depending uh, on, you know. I, I actually find for most of my clients who are families in Brooklyn they it depends on what the ages are of the kids because um, m- most people I find who are raising kids in the city they look at the top three public high schools as Stuyvesant Bronx Sciences and Brooklyn Tech and so Brooklyn Tech's obviously in Brooklyn um, but you know with Noah point about PS321. I mean, that's why Park Slope is like the Upper West Side of Brooklyn. Right. That's how people kind yeah, of people have been hiring uh, school consultants uh, in the city, and it's for people in our field. It's actually um, invaluable to have somebody like this in your Rolodex. 
Uh, since, you know, aside from the show, we really can't be advising people on schools on our opinions of the school right, zones. Right, right. It's illegal. But uh, if you have a school consultant, I think if you work with a professional like that, um, you're going to have much more success because the school that we're talking about right now with a good reputation might not be the one your kid, your two-year-old is entering. You know, the, the, the trends change, teachers change, parents change. Um, so I think that has a lot of impact on on the school and you know the outlook on them right like i mean a year or two ago everyone wanted to be on the upper east side near ps6 and now ps6 is having overcrowding so it's like do you want to send your kid to a school that's very you know sought after but that's overcrowded and they don't have attention with teachers you know people are getting more creative than they used to be yeah i want to say one last thing that i'm very happy about and excited about is that just a couple blocks away from where i live on prospect park west there is this movie theater that for the longest time has had has gone through like several owners and they've had the hardest time. But now, as of now, and for the last about, I don't know, six to 10 months or so, they've had this renovation. The owner of the Nighthawk yeah. in Ooh. Williamsburg, who hit it out of the ballpark with that theater with movies and food and so forth, is renovating this theater. He's bought it. And it's going to be available in the next few months, and I really think it's going to change that neighborhood. I know it's going to take me on a date there. I so I, I thought you were if, going to say a massage parlor. <laughs> yeah, if you have a second hat, and I get to wear it as well, yes. it's going to be identical. All right, a new study from the uh, website Rentop found that February is the best month to sign a new lease, with apartments sinking to their lowest price point of the year. Is this true? I wouldn't say so. Good. Just based, based, based on what I'm seeing, maybe more of a macro, yeah. but you know, from what I've seen, I just, I'm doing some big, bigger deals that I, I'm even shocked I about think, in I Williamsburg. Think, I think what there, the analysis is, you know, the summer months are bigger or stronger rental months for obvious reasons, you know, graduate, people graduating college, coming to New York to work, whatever. February, the middle of the, you know, the dank winter months, you know, not much activity. So, but I don't know that I, I agree with you, Nyla. I don't think that it's the best month to, um, to purchase, uh, to, to rent. I think there's better months. I have four rentals right now that I can't seem to move. So I'm yeah, not quite sure here. what's going on. Yeah, I mean, renting an apartment in winter ever again. <laughs> I mean, if, they, if, if, they're, if they're basing that off of this February, where we are right now and not past Februarys, I could see that because yeah. I think a lot of people are who are in the rental market are taking advantage of how badly it's doing. Right. All right, we have to take a break. We'll pick it up right after the break. This is uh, Good Morning New York live from Blast Off Productions. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The voice. 
Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Ray Lord is joining us from Douglas Element from a remote location. All right, guys, after several years of mortgage rates being at their lowest in over a half century, they have climbed rapidly in the last several weeks and could go higher still, meaning pain and potentially pared down budgets for New York homebuyers who have yet to look for a loan. Interest rates are rising in response to encouraging national economic data, including decreasing unemployment, raising wages, and growing uh, treasury bond yields, according to the banks. What does this mean for prospective homebuyers with good credit in New York City? Obviously, the economy is showing uh, signs of uh, being healthy. Um, Why are the rates increasing? And what is this really doing uh, to the mindset of the buyer out there, because look, historically we are still ridiculously low compared to where we've been in decades past. <clears throat> but what are people thinking? Well, buyers don't think that way. I mean, unfortunately, we—I mean, for better or worse—we have a more grand scope on the situation. We're able to say interest rates were so much higher ten or twenty years ago. Um, but buyers think about the last five years. I mean, they think about things that are more up to date. So, you know, they're still thinking about like people who are getting 30 year fix are still thinking about when they were at, you know, three and a quarter and now they're at four and a half. You know, that's a big jump. Um, so, but I, I also think that people do realize that it's going to keep going up this year. And, and you kind of explained it. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why interest rates can be volatile and, you know, it's not always bad. A lot of times they it might be pretty healthy. Yeah, it, it means that it's a healthy thing for the country. I, I, that's exactly what I was like. I think that it balances things. You know, um, unemployment is down. It's a good thing. So interest rates rise a little bit. Wages, I mean, wages are increasing. So that's another interest rate. I mean, yeah. And I mean, the stock market's also being a little volatile lately. Um, and on top of that, you just have, you know, over and over again, you have bad news coming out of the White House. So, you know, it has to all balance out. Um, but it's definitely affecting buyers. It's definitely. Um, do you see? Do you see your buyers having more of a sense of urgency and trying to get ahead of the interest rate increases? Uh, do you have anyone currently? Like, I don't have anybody yes. that's like 
you know, uh, you know, burning my phone off the hook, just trying to, you know, make a make a deal because the interest rates are going up right now. I don't feel like it. I maybe, don't. I don't either. And even in so my it, development I think it's business, the media that drives that. Uh, totally. I think it depends. Like three of my clients who are, you know, we all just got accepted offers, and they were we were already looking, so they were much more okay. willing to pull the trigger once to once so we were already looking. Buy. Exactly. So I'm not getting like phone calls being like, now I want to buy because in, interest yeah. rates are going. Up. All right, that's what I'm wondering. So we haven't hit that, but March is totally different because people so started what it, paying attention. So then what? Yeah. Is the expectation of the buyers out there today feeling unfazed by it all potentially what a, what what is their expectation i mean are they just they're they're trying to get the they're naturally trying get, they're trying to get the lowest interest rate possible i mean if if they're from a finance background especially they're really they'll really be motivated right now yeah um but, you know the buyers right now I, no one has like a huge sense of urgency but at the same time i mean there is i think on the high end it's picked up quite a bit and are you seeing any particular types of programs being more popular than others? Seven-year arms, five-year arms, thirty-year fixed. I mean, I'm seeing a, a whole bunch of. I'm, I'm finding private, more private financing very, very. Popular. Oh, interesting. Private financing, interesting. Well, um, I'm finding more people are doing more. Of my clients are doing thirty-year fixed than they used to. More right. of them would do ten-year arms. A lot but of I the think arms, that people are thinking about buying for more long-term these days. A lot of real estate brokers will use the arms. A lot of people getting heavy bonuses will use the arm. Um, and for the lower interest rate, obviously. But I, I've seen the majority of my deals in the last year or two, probably three years, actually. It has been uh, people borrowing against their portfolio uh, to get a lower interest rate. So they have a private wealth manager at Wells Fargo, let's say, and they have a you know stocks, bonds, whatever portfolio. Um, they'll, let, they'll, they'll take a loan out against that um, in order to finance their property purchase, and they'll get a lower rate. Um, from the bank because the bank's guaranteed to manage their assets and they take a little bit at the top of their returns on the assets they're managing as well. So it's, uh, that's a, that's a, that's probably the most popular I've seen. Um, when you're talking like above $2 million, people need to have a few million in investable assets in order mm -hmm. to take advantage of that. But that's the most popular. We're doing a deal right now and closing on Friday. People got a, an amazing deal from Wells Fargo, private wealth manager, mm -hmm. you know, closing on $3.2 million apartment. I find that people are not as nervous as they were um, a year ago or, you know, during the election. You saw a lot of people who would, you know, base their real estate decisions on nerves of what's going on in the world. I actually find instead these days you just find people are more wrapped up in what's going on in the world to even think about real estate. That's what I find. It's not it's not about the nerves. It's more just it's very distracting what's going on in the world, well, you know, between. So, so, the clarity on so taxes, I think, has been it's tremendously helpful. That is, but I mean things like the Dow shooting so low last week, and then be, you know going up and being volatile, and and things like you know everyone on Trump's or in his in his pool is like harassing women. Like I think that people are really wrapped up on what's going on. So out there. I think are you saying though that they're not fearful as they were a year or a year and a half ago, but they're just kind of like taking a powder because they don't really understand what's happening out there. I mean it's. Sort yeah. of like the same, I think. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just distraction. I think you know. I think um, those things mixed with all the, also the end of a cycle. Yeah. Is um, distracts people. It's interesting because at the end of last year and into into January, I saw a huge you know surge of business and interest and whatever. And then all of a sudden, February ish kind of got a little sluggish. And maybe it's it's all the news reports. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the stock market. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's interest rates. Maybe it's I've, not. I've I've always noticed that, um, especially in the mid tier luxury uh, market, when there's a huge stock market dip, like we've had the yeah. last like week or two. Yeah. 
you get canceled appointments, you get no yes. shows. Yes. You know, people are on their phone, they're seeing their money, you know, their bank account shrink in real time. So they'll be well for a period of several days. Last week or the week before, they people lost lots of money. Yeah, well, but they also, yeah, they were, but we also so big, it was up so much yeah. before that. No, no, it was no, up no, like seven percent. Yeah, exactly. So hey, listen, that's right. That's that's the way to do it. I think, yeah. I think and it's I up again. So yeah. I mean, it's it's so, it's, it's, you know, it's like up. a momentary thing. But I think to Sean's point, though, people see that they're watching the phone and they say, "Oh my God, I just lost." Five hundred thousand dollars, whatever you know. Wait, can we also set you back? Can we also talk about how you're seeing a lot of mortgage contingencies lately? I'm seeing a ton of mortgage contingencies. Yeah, both doing that. Two deals major right now. Both. Well, yeah, a lot of my deals are present. Yeah, I found. I will say, in Montauk, said that he had a seller delay a listing because of the stock market volatility. He said, "I don't want to list my house in the day the market's down six hundred points." Correct. All right. Listen, we are out of time. Unfortunately, that's it for me. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guest and the panel, as always. Thanks to Ray Lord coming in from uh, South America. Until next time, be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.